know, talking with Jocelyn Curvin this evening, I gotta say, the thing that just kept on coming back to me with every single topic that we talked about was just so, you know, how into her job she is. She is so incredibly dedicated to making sure that not only are the courses on point, but definitely the experiences that her students have are authentic, diverse, and as she kind of mentioned several times, you know, are building a family connection for them. I love the fact that we were able to delve into a little bit what education looks like right now from an experiential learning point of view. It was really cool to be able to sort of unpack a little bit what it means to be a risk taker in the classroom and how sometimes for teachers it can be kind of challenging to get out of your own way. The Chasing Squirrels podcast is all about trying to figure out these things and try and see how some of the changes in education impact the people that are both inside and outside the box. Jocelyn Curvin definitely represents one of those educators that's pushing the limits and constantly looking to improve herself. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. All right, we're rolling. Hi, Jocelyn. <laughs> hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm well, thanks. This is awesome. I'm so happy that you could uh, drop me in like at 9.30 p.m. at night <laughs> just to satisfy my podcasting uh, addiction. My pleasure. No problem at all. I'm flattered to be here. <laughs> um, I want to tell you that, and we were talking just before I hit the record, um, that, you know, you're kind of digging the fact that I'm throwing down this podcast. And I have to say, it's entirely my, my interest in doing these types of things. You you have played a part in uh, in making me think outside of my teaching box. And uh, one of the things that I don't think I ever made completely clear to you when we were working together back in the day is just just how impressed, just a standing O -O for you as far as, you know, how hard you work. No joke. I think I've said it in small pieces before, but that really is like one of the things that when I think of the people that just dig in and get the work done, you are that person. Thank you. You're very cool. welcome. That's and, uh, and, nice to hear. It, and, and part of it is then I say, okay, if, <laughs> if she can do it, so should I. <laughs> so, <laughs> or, well, okay. Or, or yeah. maybe she should, you know, give herself a break. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? And, and, you know, again, when we're talking before, we're talking about a little bit about the cost of the passion and sort of the cost of, being so intensively in love with your job. Yeah. But when you are in love with your job, that can happen. Yeah. Right? That, that yeah. type of passion does have, but Absolutely. I want to tell you, yeah, you make me want to work harder. When I think about, when I think about the individuals that I've met in my teaching career so far, um, you do, you, I, you know, I follow you on Twitter. I've, I, I knew of the things that you were working on when, again, when we were working together before and I just, I, I wrote down here on my little side notes, you are a pirate, and I thought you might take that as a compliment. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm, I, I love what I do, and I, I get to do it every day. So it's, uh, it's kind of exciting to, uh, to know that, uh, that there are people out there that enjoy that. So thanks. So just for some of the one or two listeners that, that I, we may get, <laughs> I, I might be up to two. Okay, okay, this is good. Get us there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, in in the broadest sense, just what what is your teaching portfolio? 
Um, I am a high school music teacher. So I teach um, uh, secondary band and vocal courses, and I run ensembles and uh, extracurricular activities and all that kind of fun stuff that goes along with running a high school music program. So part of part of me, you know, observing the past, and we don't work together now, but I, I knew how intensively you worked in the classes and seeing you zip around the school and you're sort of, you got your tech, you got your, your music, you've got your moving, your cart going to the next classroom. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that struck me the most about what... What what the the deeper level of what you were putting into the into your program was the extra crick, right? Was was that sort of the not in the classroom stuff? Mm-hmm. So I was can you, can you run through just like some of the extra crick that that is like that that many people might not even realize is so important to let's say your program an arts prog program or just like class experience in general. Ah, uh, okay. Well, uh, you've got you've got your standard extracurricular sorts of things like band. Um, but along with band, for instance, is not just sort of having those kids come out to a rehearsal every week and maybe putting on a concert. It's things like um, getting the kids to uh, to attend festivals, maybe uh, mm-hmm. not for the competition side of it, but for the experience of working towards a goal and working towards excellence and then getting to go and share that with a larger audience that maybe is not personally invested in their success. Because if you could do a concert, a lot of times it's for family and friends and mm-hmm. that audience is super supportive and they're wonderful and you know you're going to get a good feedback sort of thing from them but taking it further than that and giving them those experiences where they uh, they get the chance to to share that with a wider audience i think is incredibly important so there's all that side of the extracurricular and then there's um things like field trips and so on that need I think need to happen for art students so they can see professionals doing what they're doing. So going to the opera, going Mm. to the symphony, Toronto Symphony Orchestra or whatever, or um, going down and seeing the behind the scenes. Um, A lot of times when I do take students to the opera, we make sure we do a backstage tour. So they see a little bit of that side of things. Uh, Looking at going down to recording studios in uh, in Toronto and giving them an idea of that side of the industry. Um, All of those sorts of things are a part of of letting them experience all sides of the art form that I want them immersed in. So that's kind of, I guess that's kind of part of the the extracurricular experience. Oh, and and trips, um, taking them on overnights, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's band camp <laughs> or whether it is uh, trips like we did last spring to Europe, mm-hmm. um, where they see and and get to perform and participate in music in on a global perspective. So, mm. what's the um? So when when the kids when the kids go into some of this extra curriculum. What is kind of like some of the loot bags that you've observed in the kids? Like what what are they coming away with after participating in this stuff that's not directly in class but so vital too? They're coming away, I think the biggest thing for me is they're coming away with uh, a greater sense of teamwork and family um, mm. for them. And a lot of the kids who sort of see this all the way through to say grade 12, that's one of the biggest things that they come back to when they talk about their experience in high school music is this was my family for four years. Uh, these are the kids that they 
they did everything together. And they said a lot of them, we had some good conversations last year, for instance, with some of my, my grade 12s that were graduating. And they said, you know, a lot of these kids that we are such good friends with, we would not have necessarily made those connections with through some of our other courses, just mm. because we didn't see those shared interests in that way until we were in this space. So they recognized the fact that they had that opportunity to build some friendships and some connections that they might not have done so otherwise. And I think that for me is one of the biggest things that we like to encourage and that the kids really talk about is making those connections and having so much fun together sharing those experiences. Yeah, it's the, you know, the, we talk often as educators about the experiential learning. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes that list of what we put on the experiential learning, like the possibilities, yeah. is sometimes, I think it falls short. Yeah. And, I, and I, I wonder often around the, our, if we're being brave enough in yeah. what we actually suggest as some of those experiences. Mm -hmm. And not mm -hmm. to mimic real life. I'm on the fence around the whole argument, is school real life and how right. close we have to get to it? Right. But if, it's, but if it's the place to be able to have a taste of the experience and maybe yeah. one part of the experience dips its toe into real life, but it's very yeah. much a, a, a sort of a, as you said, family experience with the school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've seen it too. The kids, they they just explode out of that experience. Yeah. And I love that, I think, the other side of it too is that it sometimes captures and connects with those kids who are naturally shy, maybe a little more introverted, um, that suddenly have a space that is supportive and um, that feels like they belong no matter um, how they see themselves. You know, if they know that they're shy or if they know that they're quiet or whatever, they still know that there's a place for them in that musical ensemble that they're they are part of that and that there's a shared success experience um and and i know we do a lot of uh reflective writing in our, mm -hmm. our band our band and choir activities after we've done a performance or uh as we're getting ready for something uh, i ask them to to sort of look at at some of these experiences and a lot of the things that that some of those quieter kids often will say in the post-performance reflections are things like um i've made so many friends here and I really feel like I belong. Or then you get the, uh, the kids who will, I, I always, one of the questions I always ask my students is, what's one thing that you're proud of? Because I don't think s students always give themselves credit for the hard work that they've done. Mm -hmm. So I, I, want, I want to make them <laughs> look at something to be proud of. I want them to recognize that. And a lot of the kids will often say, I'm proud of somebody else. Like they, they, they will really recognize that it took a lot of courage for that kid to get up and do this activity or this group to put on uh, a performance. And they will recognize and congratulate another group for mm -hmm. the efforts that they made and the courage that they showed. And it's awesome to see them be proud of each other as well as themselves. The gratitude piece, I think, you know, it's, it's one of those... It's a topic that I find myself, I'm in these conversations often now where, um, you know, the importance of not only 
not only trying to stay in the moment so that you can actually genuinely convey gratitude, mm-hmm. but then conveying the gratitude, that second layer. And yeah. I, th- I think what you're, what I, I totally agree with you. The, the, the ability to be able to share gratitude for mm-hmm. what someone has taught you or showed you or for their bravery um, mm-hmm. is first and foremost, I think that's almost more important than mm-hmm. the second gratitude, which is appreciating your own effort. And I've experienced the same thing. The students that are almost more willing to be external in, in being thankful. It's the social convention, kind of yeah. thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and not, not soak quite long enough in the, this is really cool what you did. Yeah. Be proud of what you did. Own it. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. It is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The... Um, you you sort of you you've talked about the importance of family and the importance of the the students being reflective and sort of um how how do you go about within the music uh within the the music program how do the students then bring those reflections are, are the reflections then shared amongst the class are they shared with yeah. you how do they how do they share that sort of like uh, they so, share with me initially, and then I often will sort of uh, will tabulate a lot of the comments that they make mm-hmm. uh, and share that back with them, so that the you know with some anonymity, um, mm-hmm. but sort of allowing them to sort of say is to see what others were saying and and suggesting and that kind of stuff, as well as even things like feedback from them in terms of what we all need to do to move forward and get better at what we're already doing or ways we can do things differently. Um, Mm -hmm. I think student input is crucial. So uh, allowing for that and encouraging that is a big part of it. So we have a lot of discussion after we've done performances or after we've done activities uh, where we, we uh, take that feedback as a group and see where it leads us next. Yeah. It's the the reason that I ask is that um, I can remember in the past trying to start a writer's group and I found the the best writing that was being created often the writers did not want to share it mm-hmm. they, they had mm-hmm. it was it was so personal they, yes. they couldn't uh, excuse me they couldn't they couldn't give it away because it was so personal to them and they right. and of course they felt protective and, and I respected that mm-hmm. but it made me it made me sort of recognize that often what we look at as risk positive mm-hmm. risk in class mm-hmm. um, it's yep. It, there's quite a bit of variation to what a student can feel is yep. actually risky. And it's um, to share your reflective practice, I think, with anybody mm-hmm. is a very courageous risk to take. Yeah. I put myself on the line, too, in that I, I'm happy to share with them uh, the things that I've experienced that were scary. And that, uh, you know, I talk about some of my own performing experiences where things went well and sometimes things did not. <laughs> and, and, you know, that that was okay to sort of roll with that and, uh, and that, that that's part of learning and that's part of moving ahead um, and that everybody gets scared and everybody um, gets uh, nervous and sometimes things go wrong and people don't love you any less for that. Um, and and just kind of you get to another chance to learn again. So that that modeling risk that's interesting because I had a little check mark beside one of the things I wanted to ask you. And <laughs> what does so sharing? Are you uh, just in general? Uh, are you are you a storyteller in your teaching? Do you share those sort of like 
yeah. stories of, oh, I remember when I first picked up a guitar. Or I remember that first time I stood up yep. in front of 300 people and sang. Yep, um, absolutely. What does risk taking look like to you in real time, though? So when you're not telling a story, do you, do you think to yourself, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot right in front of the kids right now. And yep. just, so can you, can you, can you throw down on that? What, do you, what um, does that uh, there, there have been some times, and I, I, that is something that I, I need to get better at. Um, I, well, I guess I, I look at sort of my experiences with tech lately uh, mm. and, and trying new things with kids and sort of saying, hey, guys, we're going to try this activity today. I don't know if it's going to work yet because we're trying it. <laughs> um, if it does, great. If it doesn't, well, we'll go back to plan B or something. Um, so there have been certainly times in class with tech in particular that I'm, I'm like, let's try this, uh, this piece of software or we'll try this activity uh, online and see if it works. And if it doesn't, well, you know, we'll come up with something else. Uh, so they know that I try new things with them a lot um, because a lot of things are not the same every time. <laughs> So I try and do a lot of that, but I, mm -hmm. I, it's one thing that I'd like to do a little bit more of is, is that on-the-fly um, risk-taking sort of thing. So working on it. So let's, uh, if, if the five-years-ago version of you <laughs> met the 2017 version of you, yeah. what's the thing that the – and this is, this is you looking at you. I know it's making a little schizophrenic, but you looking at you – Yeah. I'm kind of making up this question as I go, but you looking at you, what would that, that older, actually younger version yep. of you think, holy crap, that is so cool what you're doing. I don't even, I don't even get it. Like, how do you get from me to doing that thing in mm -hmm. music? Right. Wow. Uh, that's a big question. Um, I think the integration of, of technology for me has been a big, fast learning curve. Um, and looking at things like using digital portfolios mm -hmm. um, and and not uh, I don't know not not being afraid to sort of implement yeah new software and, and jumping on the bandwagon kind of thing is is something that I love to do uh, mm -hmm. if I think that it's going to benefit my students in a way that is effective um, yeah, my the, the the fact that I've suddenly become a computer geek of sorts, more so than just a music geek, <laughs> uh, is is shocking to myself in some ways. Uh, really, right? I, you, yeah, you carry I, very naturally, my friend. You carry very sorry? naturally. Very, very naturally. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, uh, I quite enjoy being a, a bit of a tech geek these days. Um, it's it's awesome, and my students know that I love to learn new stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Usually, because I have a tendency to walk in the class in the morning and go, "Guess what I learned last night?" And they're like, "Oh God, here she goes again," because <laughs> that tends to happen a lot. <laughs> we shift gears a lot in my classrooms um, in terms of, you know, hey, Miss Kervin learned something on Twitter last night. Guess we're doing this one now. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of that. Um, and that's not something I sort of ever thought that I would, I, who I would be sort of, yeah, looking back five years ago. Um, it wasn't as big a part of my world as it is now by any means. Do you think this is something that, is it permanent? Or is this level, is this level here to stay for you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, I, I've really, really enjoy, um, I, I so enjoy learning. And now that there is 
I think with with the way that technology is moving now and the implementation of it in the education world, um, I, there's so much more opportunity for me to learn on my own time and uh, and in my own way. So mm -hmm. that's easier to do now than it was. And so, uh, so that's something that's certainly going to be part of my world moving ahead for sure. Yeah, I love it too. I, um, I have seen you sort of in passing, you know, I sort of, you get a little bit of your feed and you're like, Oh, so-and-so is in that Twitter chat. I'm off to this Twitter chat. Yeah. It's, it's that there's a funny, like digital kind of hallway that sometimes you walk through. It's like, Hey, where are you going to? I'm going yeah. to this. Okay. See you later. That's exactly um, it. Like, I think you and I crossed paths on a, yeah. a digital webinar sort of thing back what back in november december something yeah. like that it's like yeah. okay i'm gonna go watch this webinar and you go watch that one and then we'll compare yeah, notes exactly. later on <laughs> yeah I, I really i dig that i dig that that sort of opportunity exists to us and i totally mm -hmm. get the like my students right now um they're at the point where if you know, you get into one of these cluff moments. I'm in the class and I'm sort of talking about something. It's like out there on the fringe frontier mm -hmm. of kind of like where I, where I go often, where I get yeah. lost often. And one of them will turn like, you were like on Twitter this morning, weren't you? I'm like, <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> that, yeah. That's my, right. My students often recognize that, yeah, that, that Ms. Kerman has, has clearly been at a workshop. <laughs> <laughs> she walks back in and goes, hey, guys, guess what? <laughs> They're like, oh, new stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, it's awesome. I think yeah. this is why um, it's it's a big part of not only your sort of your energy and your positivity and your 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 positive risk taking. Me calling you a pri a, uh, I almost said a primate, but I did not. <laughs> but I ended up saying it anyways. How terrible! Pirate. Thank you. <laughs> I guess yeah. I have to edit myself out. Um, <laughs> saying that you're a pirate is because often when we're passing in the halls like that, one of the consistent places that I see you kind of checking in on is that hashtag this anything that's sort of like some L.A. something L.A.P. XP lap. Explore, yeah. explore like a pirate. <laughs> so t tell me about that. Tell me about that and how it fits with you like how do you how do, what are you getting from that group um this is my new my one of my new learning directions for myself uh and actually it's funny that you you talk about that because that's why we're starting this chat so late tonight is because i was on a twitter chat earlier um mm. that happens at eight on wednesdays and it's all about um gamification in the classroom mm. And it's sort of uh, built out of the book. That, the book that started it all was one by Dave Burgess called Teach Like a Pirate. And then so many people sort of really enjoyed that and, and built out from that concept of, yeah, that, that pirate who hooks people in and uh, works outside the box and totally goes all in on a story to to bring their students along with them that's kind of that pirate mentality mm -hmm. um, then you you got authors writing things like uh, Mike Matera who wrote this book called explore like a pirate uh, all about how to implement gaming strategy into uh, education and into curriculum and so it's something that I really have been looking at doing um, it sort of builds out from something I used to do when I taught elementary music uh, and we had what's called the band Olympics program mm. where, where students uh, completed certain challenges and when they got to 10 challenges uh, they were at the bronze level 
And then hmm. they continued working through more challenges to achieve silver and on their way to gold and so on. And there were certificates and there were leaderboards and all those kinds of things that were part of the gaming world. And so I'm starting to look at putting that back in at the high school level now and uh, and sort of chatting with all of these people on Twitter to say, hey, how are you doing it? And how, how can I adapt that to my own world? So that's kind of where that comes from these days. And it's it's kind of, it's interesting because I, I just in the chat tonight, I sort of said, yeah, I sort of looked at, I tried it, tried launching it this past semester. It did not go the way I had hoped. So a bit of a crash and burn on my part, but that's part of learning. Uh, so you pick yourself up and you rebuild and regroup and try it again differently, perhaps. So we'll see how it goes when I launch it again in second semester. <laughs> So it's That's all about cool. learning. Yeah, so. I didn't. I didn't know that you taught at an elementary. I did. I did eight years in the elementary program, uh, elementary system. I was a grade seven and eight teacher, music teacher for years, and I love that I have that experience in the elementary panel as well as the secondary. So I did not know that. That's yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. So that's. The um, I love that you sort of you you brought. I mean, we've gone kind of like from the risk taking to you know switching it up in your teaching, and then mm-hmm. you, you brought about the failure mm-hmm. that you know that 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 potential for failure. Um, I have sort of like two different two different ways to come at this. Okay. When you when you're going, what, what um, I was talking with uh, my colleague right now, and we we're talking about how that sort of the sense of failure. Yep. can sometimes keep us from making courageous decisions. Yep. Um, without getting specific about the conversation we're talking about, what I observed was often we're willing to take the risk with even the cost of failure on behalf of our students. Mm-hmm. We're amazing that way. Yet, often when we're given the opportunity for ourselves to take a risk, we're less likely to say yes and go for it. Mm-hmm. So, And it's just something that I've observed. But my question in this is, if you've ever been in that moment, how do you get out of your own way? So you're kind of sitting there like, oh, like I so want to give that a try. Yep. What, what is it that you, what's your <clears throat> process for? Because I think it's valuable. It's a valuable, this is valuable learning because, the, you know, there's teachers out there that do want to try this Twitter chat. They want to just do an activity in front of the kids and let's see, we're going to build this plane in the air. We're going to see, yep. <laughs> yep. see how this works out. How do you get out of your own way? Uh, I'm still working on that one. Um, okay. it really does come down to not over planning. I mm. think, uh, you need, yeah. If the more that teachers over plan stuff, I think, uh, the less we leave to the students and allow them the creative space that they need. Gotcha. Um, and I think that was, was part of even, some of my my failure on this round of it in in this past semester um and i have a tendency there's a colleague uh that i work with on a lot of projects and stuff and he and i will sit down and we'll we'll come up with an idea mm-hmm. and we will plan it out like crazy and we have this wonderful idea and it sounds fantastic and it's awesome and then we'll put it in place and realize we made it way too big <laughs> and way too involved when it would have been just as successful to do sort of half the size and mm-hmm. let the kids build it any bigger than if they wanted to. Um, so I, I, need to, I need to work on that a little bit more myself and, and letting the students take ownership and sort of giving them the, 
giving them the, the nugget of an idea and letting them mm-hmm. expand it and not not letting not thinking that I have to have it entirely perfect before I hand mm-hmm. it over because I'm a perfectionist mm-hmm. and that's hard to be sometimes um, and that that's part of my own learning and stuff is that sometimes uh, done is better than perfect yeah so uh, if I want the students to buy in sometimes yes I have to get out of my own way I have to get out of their way in order to let that happen it is tough it is uh-huh. it's totally tough um you know like back in my previous portfolio teaching the hospitality stuff you uh-huh. know and, and there's there's customers virtual or otherwise but you're building towards you're always um my my guess is that even when the student walks in in grade nine and has never picked up a saxophone before the relationship yep. with the audience begins now yes and in the same thing in my hospitality class, okay, you've, you've never chopped a vegetable, but the moment you sit in my class, there's officially someone sitting up there ready to eat your soup. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I get that, the, that compulsion, probably more of a compulsion, mm-hmm. to jump in and keep them on track. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, I've always found if I, if, I didn't, if I did it wrong, then I'm breaking their flow totally break in their flow. Yep. And I think um, this is where I think education needs to allow, or the education system that we currently perhaps have, mm-hmm. maybe needs to allow for more fluidity. Um, I'm very much the type of teacher who will completely change course on something if there's a new... Uh, if something new kind of comes on the scene, for example, uh, Gord Downey released The Secret Path back in October. Yep. And I don't know if you watched that on CBC. Mm-hmm. Um, but that changed the direction of a project idea that my students and I wanted to implement. And by doing so, it sort of it derailed a little bit of this gamification plan that I kind of had. Hmm. But the project direction that we went in as after, you know, I allowed that, that inspiration of that uh, episode to come into my classroom uh, resulted in an incredible experience for my students where we actually wrote and recorded a song that we just showcased today at a symposium at the Ontario Science Centre. Wow. And yeah, it was awesome. And they so they actually got to work with a professional musician and they worked with professional recording equipment and uh, and created an awesome, awesome piece of music that was inspired by the experiences of uh, our First Nations communities and, and youth that uh, that they learned about starting with the secret path. Um, and had that not shown up on the scene in October, we may not have gone in that direction. So, uh, I love that we did that. <laughs> uh, it means that maybe, maybe I didn't quite cover all the curriculum content that I wanted to. Uh, but I think that that's, that's okay, <laughs> given what we did do. Um, but it makes it difficult sometimes to sort of uh, fit all of the curriculum content into the time frames that we have, if we aren't fluid enough. I want to give a shout out to someone that uh, 
I've come across again in that sort of digital PLN and just listening to way too many podcasts. There's a, a t- <laughs> you and me both. Well, dude, like you just you can't stop, right? It's like you're oh, sort of thinking, so hey, if, if I if I walk instead yeah. of like drive, I'll be able to get that 45 minute thing in. Oh, it's, I know. It's rid- absolutely ridiculous. Well, we did we but, did podcast projects last year in class because I was so into podcasts in you know last year. Again, changed the direction of things. Yeah. <laughs> The um, the person that you got to check out is this educator out of Ottawa. Her name is Sh- uh, Shauna Pollock. Okay. She um, she's starting up a school in Ottawa called Blue Sky, and I don't know if it's Blue Sky School, but Blue Sky. Her background is in formal education, but she's also done like work at Disney. And she's gone deep into this as far as like, I think she's even released a book that in the title says something, something about bringing the magic to your classroom. Yeah. And I, I don't remember where I heard her being uh, interviewed. Uh, She's on Twitter. You can follow her there. She's got a blog as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But in the interview, here's the thing, profound moment. The person is listening to her talking about the open inquiry school that she's looking to develop. Uh-huh. And how the students are going to be in sort of in charge of their learning, the projects, open, high interest, deep learning. And the question comes up, as it always does, it's we find ourselves there, whether it's a question or it's like a challenge. What about the expectations? Yeah. And her response to it, and I'm paraphrasing, and I might be decontextualizing way too much, or maybe just the way she said it, it totally connected with my brain. Her response was like, yeah. And I don't mean that in a really disrespectful fashion. No, I get but it. But she's having open conversations. It's also, it's a private school, okay? Mm-hmm. But she's having open conversations with the students that are enrolling where they've already talked about that some of their learning may in fact not lead directly to OSSD. But we're going to mm-hmm. figure that out later. And I was like, oh, yes. Yep. Absolutely. You are, you are leaving my, 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 my alter ego reality of teaching because it so hit me in my soul that so yeah. much, so much of what we do gets betrayed in some ways because of our just sometimes blind drive to correct, connect it back to curriculum. Yeah. I, uh, I'm such a, a, of a supporter of passion projects and genius hour activities and so on. And you know what? My biggest challenge with those are, because I've implemented them a couple of times now in in my my programs, um, they work best over a longer period of time, perhaps, than just one semester. I think. I, I, I think you can do good things in one semester, but I think that real authentic learning shouldn't have to fit in those just those four or five months um and and that there are all kinds of really neat ways of of bringing that in so that that students get a chance to yeah to to follow inquiry um options or or follow a path that is um something that they are passionate about and that that is learning and then we tie in curriculum you know yeah on the back end in a sense and that there's value to that too Mm -hmm. um but i don't know that necessarily starting with curriculum is always the answer 
So sometimes starting with an idea or a passion or an interest and, uh, and going from there is important. So what, what it was interesting in listening, in listening to that, in listening to, uh, to Shauna talk on the podcast, mm. I realized how far I have to go in my own brave pursuits of what I believe to be a proper education. Mm-hmm. Because one of the responses that I had, and I consider myself to be a, like, it doesn't take much to get me to say yes. <laughs> me neither. But, but she's, she's a whole other ballgame. Like, I'm listening to her and I'm thinking to myself... I am not that brave. I I hear you. I am. It's like your your words connected. We're already a song in my soul. You said yeah. the words. I didn't think yeah. I'd ever hear it outside my head. I'm like, oh, who's listening? Right. I'm like, <laughs> I, I actually had a. I got a little scared that I was yeah. just like, but it was it was it was the thrilling kind of a scare. I was like, I I am not that brave because it's her and I think there's her and she's got a colleague that are right. opening up the school. Awesome. Well, I met a principal wow. today uh, at this symposium that we were at at, um, at the Science Center that was all mm-hmm. based on social innovation. That was the the concept behind uh, the symposium and uh, and the projects that we launched back in the fall that mm-hmm. we showcased today. And there was a principal there uh, as th- that her school had participated in this program, and they actually have um, a three year structure in their school where the students in grade 10 start sort of an action service plan um, activity as part of their civics and careers course in that grade that grade 10 level it makes uh, so much sense. and then they continue with it uh, that they, they have to sort of take the next grade 11 course that is, is a, along with it and then into grade 12 so that they mm-hmm. really are starting to build a three-year process yeah. uh, and it was fascinating listening to her talk today and there were a lot of us that sort of went up to her afterwards and, and, and talked with her in further detail about sort of what that looks like at their school and they are an Ontario public school um, and uh, but they've they've sort of sorted out how this works for their school and, and how this works for their staff and they've tied it into all aspects of their, their school programs in every subject and it's amazing the um, I was at Quest this year, and there's Mary Followed Ward's. Followed on Twitter, didn't get there. <laughs> yeah, I was. I'll, I'll tell the story another time off off recording because it was <laughs> a bit of a fiasco the way it worked out. But oh. I'll bear with you. But while I was there, a transformational presentation, Mary Ward School. They're mm. a Catholic Catholic school in Toronto. I know that school. And yes, I've heard great things about it. Something like the last fifteen years, they've been running this open inquiry based learning where this, there's. There's the students are taking credits, but they are designing their projects that fit within the expectations. They meet with a academic facilitator or counselor to make sure they're staying on track. Mm-hmm. But it is entirely that sort of that space between where, let's say, you and I are kind of pushing our bubble yep. and where Shauna Pollock is pushing with the Blue Sky School. It mm-hmm. is that. Yep. And they've been doing it for 50. They've been doing it for some. I, when I put my hand, I'm like, yeah, how long have you been doing this for? I think it like five years. Like, yeah, we've been doing this for like 15. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. There's uh, there's a there's a school in the states that is doing uh, doing well, a few schools in the states and stuff that are doing similar sorts of things where they're teaching an innovation course. Mm, that that's so it, cool. Yeah, and that that's the whole the whole idea is the only thing that those students are sort of tackling in that course is a passion project, and that that classroom becomes a home base. 
where they sort of check in with that teacher advisor who runs this course. They have, you know, various parameters to, to sort of meet along the way. But if, for instance, their, their innovations passion project requires them to use the art room, then that's where they might spend that class. Mm-hmm. is in the art classroom or they might be in the auto shop or the wood shop or whatever um, yeah and and that they that's the whole idea is is that the uh, they're being innovative and um and connecting with the community outside as well that's phenomenal i would i would love to teach that course absolutely love to teach an innovation course <laughs> i would just like to build a shadow i would like to sort of like intern yes. right yeah Absolutely. I guess we kind of are. If we look at our if we look at our depth and breadth of involvement in digital PLN, mm. we're get we're getting a taste. Yes, absolutely. We're a taste. Absolutely. And and making those connections, you. having those conversations, yeah. um, starting the process. And I would agree with you. You, uh, I want to go back to one of the things that you you said. Like, I can't go back. I can't. I can't not use Twitter now. Mm-hmm. I was saying to. Um, I was actually saying to my spouse. I said. Uh, at least 90% of what I would consider the best personalized PD that I'm freely rolling back into my pedagogy and giving to the school board is from my digital PLN. Absolutely. Easily. 90%. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had a, if, if uh, in talking with uh, this guy, Derek Rodenizer, Yep. He, uh, we talked about that. We talked about how whether or not this type of accredit, whether or not this type of pursuit of learning, like you had said before, whether or not it should be accreditable, mm-hmm. and if and be a board that's daring enough to sort of say, okay, you have your Google Educator certification yep. level one and two, that is going to be yep. worth something. Yes, it's it. I'm looking forward to that conversation starting because I'm going to grab front row. I'll, I'll bring the <laughs> snacks. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> I'll I be right there. Save me a seat. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll, I will definitely. I have a couple more things I want to throw at you, and then uh, yeah, we can let's do it. Get, okay. So um, the when when it, it's kind of going a little bit back to that the five year ago version of you looking at you now, and what would yeah. sort of be like the wow factor. Um, as you are right now in your program. What would you be able to say what you've had to let go of? So not what you've added, but kind of what you've had to let go of to become the teacher that you are right now Hmm. or some stuff that you've had to stop doing because it's just like, you know, you're kind of hanging on, hanging on to old ways. Um, I, I have, I have had to get very, I've had to teach myself how to delegate better. I've also had to let go of my perfectionist side to some extent um, because the perfectionist side of me, the uh, I need to do it myself side Mm -hmm. uh, has had to sort of recognize that and, and allow for students to do things and they may not do things the way that I would and that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's been hard for me sort of again as the perfectionist to sort of let go of and say no 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 this is this is their version this is their take on it or um you know i don't have to design that so so completely um or that it's okay if my band 
make some mistakes when we perform mm-hmm. because that's just part of learning to be a musician. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like I said, the perfection in me, perfectionist in me uh, cringes, <laughs> um, but uh, not nearly as much as I did five, ten years ago even. Um, uh, that it's just, it's, I, I'm embracing those mistakes with the kids and for the kids and, gotcha. uh, and, and sort of looking at, well, yeah, this is, let's celebrate the wonderful things. And we learn from the, uh, the, the room, the spaces for improvement, um, and letting go and, and allowing, yeah, allowing myself to delegate more, both with colleagues and with students. Um, those are some of the big things I've had to let go of. That's it's fascinating because I'm on I'm on the opposite side of that. Mm. I've actually had to step in closer because I'm I'm a bit of personality wise I'm I'm detached. I'm okay. I'm, a, I'm kind of a detached guy, and I and I and I sort of hold I hold people accountable more according to like if I've sort of run you through it once, you seem to have the understanding. Now I expect you to deliver, and that's probably yeah. industry really informing my pedagogy. Um, management, not teaching. And, Mm -hmm. but the mistake with that is that sometimes the detachment, like you mentioned back before that, you know, extracurricular part of that key is that it's the family connection. It's that, that Mm -hmm. what you're learning in class is one thing, but what you're experiencing with the group is just as important. Absolutely. And, and so I've had to kind of, I've had to work on that. I've had to work on, um, not being so cold. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Because because it can come across that way sometimes. And I know for sure it's, uh, well, I blame my mom first. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, but I feel like it comes out of industry where, you know, yeah. I've had to, despite the fact that sometimes when I work with students, they remind me of some of my staff from the past. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. are still children. And yes. there's, a, there's a parent nurturing role that I have to remind myself to stay connected to, mm-hmm. um, because I think it's, it's definitely in that mode that some of them, the passion will come out, the trust will come out the cliff. I'm going to take a risk risk on this because I can see you're going to be with me there and you're not yep. going to let me just like fall. So it's fascinating yep. to hear you're, you're on the other side that you, you need to let go of it. Yep. I, I need to, I have to remember that students have to make mistakes. They have, mm-hmm. that's the only way they learn. Um, and I have to allow for that. So it's not up to me to anticipate those errors and, and let them avoid it. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> it, it maybe is me for me. It's my, my role to anticipate those errors and be ready to catch them on the other mm-hmm. side of them, perhaps. Yeah. But I can't necessarily take away every experience of mistake or yeah. uh, wrongdoing or whatever the, the case may be, so to speak. I, I need to yeah. let them have that experience and back them up on the other side. Okay. I was going to go in one direction, but I'm going to throw something else in front of it first. Okay. okay. All right. So you brought, you brought me down to a place because I, uh, I mentioned before that the, the school, our school is not, I, I'm not, I don't have a comfortable sort of like ice flow to stand on in the conversation around is school real life. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't have a comfortable place, but here's, here's the thing that I do believe that students, teenagers, teens, mm-hmm. children should be able to make wise wise mistakes in school mm-hmm. they should be able to make um messy situations that mm-hmm. they feel they have support and capability to fix create manage whatever that's kind of like my thing in school yeah 
So one of the conversations I found myself in a week ago is then what is failure? Mm-hmm. What is actually failure then? If we are, because it almost feels like it's necessary that we need to recontextualize what failing is. Is there, is it, is it, is it a zero? Is it a, you have to do an extra assignment? Is it, is it shame? Is it emotion? Like what is, what is failure? Is there anything, anything in, in your teaching that failure is a good thing? Um, oof, that's, there's, there's so many angles on that question. Um, you, you grab whatever <laughs> grabs you. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I go back again, I go back to my, my Twitter PLN, um, where, you know, there's a lot of discussion about what is failure. Um, and there's a lot of people that, that sort of go back to that, that acronym that failures that fail now sort of people are starting to starting to talk about it standing for that first attempt in learning. Um, and that, yeah, failure might be a, a crash and burn. It might be something small. Uh, it's a little bit different sometimes in the music world because we we have to aim for a little bit more perfection sometimes in music than we might in uh, in another type of subject area. For instance, oh, for example, uh, chicken, I can't cooking chicken. Wh- you can't make a mistake. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> if we're going to play the national anthem at a public sporting Ooh. event. We don't dare get a wrong note. (laughs) There's no room for failure there. Um, So that sort of raises that bar a little bit for for music students. So that failure needs to happen in the rehearsal space and, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and needs to be embraced because we need to have the failures to figure out how to how to improve and, and that they need to experience that. And I think that I, I worry that we're not letting students fail enough and that mm. they're not building resilience. It's kind of like um, the um, antibiotic, let your kid eat dirt kind of argument, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so our students, I'm going to quote. So here, what I need for you to say, so I can put on the lead in is <laughs> our students need to eat more dirt. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> what did you, you want me to say that? <laughs> I'll find something else to put in. It's probably right, nothing. Right, right. In the <laughs> no, it's it's great, and you know, it's it's funny. I was sort of I was thinking about sort of how I how I got to be where I am, and, and I'm reading. Um, um, I think it's Amanda Duckworth's um, book about grit and resiliency and, and so on and so forth. And I sort of think, well, how did I get there? And I look back and I think some of it comes from the fact that m- my family moved a lot when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And much as I sort of didn't like it and, and resented it, I think at the time as a, as a child, it's like, okay, I'm seriously unpacking again. Uh, and I was always the new kid in my new school or in my new program or whatever. So you kind of, you get really good at starting over at picking up something new at rebuilding, um, your own self image in a sense. Um, every time you have to jump into a new situation. Um, and I think when you don't have some of those experiences where you have to sort of start fresh, 
you you lose that sense of building resiliency and uh, and sort of survival skills, so to speak, in the real world. Um, how do you come back from a failure? How do you come back from uh, a change that you maybe weren't expecting? Um, mm-hmm. That's all part of that that process. So wow. It's profound because I see it. I mean, we've we've moved to talking about the students, but I see that as well. That the, the fear of failure for educators, I think, is a palpable oh huge bar- barrier for some. Right? Mm-hmm. It's and, it's, uh, it's certainly why you get so many of them not willing to integrate tech yet because it can I be terrifying. Say, someone said to me they use the example that if you're not currently using tech, like if you're not, if you haven't sort of kind of because there's tech and then there's sort of like cloud and then there's the right there's various levels of tech so to speak exactly and um part of the way it was sort of put to me is it's like the 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 sea floor falling and the water rising Mm -hmm. and you you deciding where you're gonna swim in those depths yep you know do you do you tread do you actually sort of try to swim to the top are you just like i'm gonna anchor my boots to the seafloor because <laughs> it is solid and i can right. hold my breath yeah you know i got two more years i can hold my breath yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely uh if okay, you're not moving mom. if you're not moving forward you're treading water yeah 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 absolutely all right I do. I do have one more thing to wrap it up. All right, bring it on. You ready for this one? <laughs> All right. You're gonna rock. You're gonna rock this one for sure. <laughs> Good to know you've got that that faith in me. <laughs> yeah, I do absolutely. So, um, what I'm what I what I'm cu- curious about through all of this is that there. I do believe that that. Um, you know, we can go to university and you get your 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 that credit that you end up want to teach. But I, we know, I think that being in education has changed kind of fundamentally in the last, let's say the last three to four years where you may or may not ever make it to your teachable. Mm-hmm. And the rea- reality of it is, is that you, you still will want to work in education. You want to be an educator and that can create some interesting tensions in your soul where, you know, you're sort of, do I diversify? Do you know, mm-hmm. it can call into question why you took the degree in the first place if you mm-hmm. don't get to teach it right away. But I think that there's a lot of little things that can help educators in this position when they sort of land and they get hired and they say, OK, yes, you have a beautiful English degree in Canadian literature and all this stuff. And you're going to be teaching history and we're going to give you a grade 11 geography. And um, how how are you with um, how are you with like uh, phys ed? And you're just like, whoa, that's <laughs> quite a mix. So with that being kind of like that's that's the kind of reality. Like the, that is the new reality. And, and I, I hesitate to see say even new. Because mm-hmm. it almost suggests like it, it is sudden. And I'm a guy that likes to say that that whole that there's been cues along the way that the sort of like the sure. gate, the gate, the game board's been changing slightly if you've been paying attention. Right. Mm-hmm. But here's here's the question. This is the question to save them all. What would you or sorry, who or what would you put sort of like into a master class for new teachers coming into teaching and you can you can sort of pull from wherever you want i mean you can pull from your digital portfolio and i'm not saying you know give me 20 but can you call out three or four kind of key players that you think a new teacher would probably benefit them to kind of 
you know, check these people out because it's not if it's not about you teaching your course, but it's about catching that on ramp into teaching all wow. the other stuff that's not your curriculum. Hmm. Oh my god. Who would be on that list? Who would be on that list? Um, I know you have a list. <laughs> I've, I've looked at your list on Twitter. I've, 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 I've lurked on some of your conversations. You've got knowledge. Throw it down. <laughs> who? Wow. Who would I? Who would I put in that room? Um, any of those? Uh, those XPLAP kind of leaders? Um, okay. Michael Matera, Dave Burgess, um, the the passion project and twenty percent time teachers like uh, Kevin Brookhauser. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else? Uh, AJ Giuliani. Um, mm. Some of these people who, who are looking at, at ways of integrating integrating tech and passion and gamification, gamification sorry. Um, all of... I might have to you slightly soften to, that. It, yeah, it, that. Yeah, that <laughs> might require some editing. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I thought it was going to happen far more intentionally. Uh, no, 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 so far so good. A, uh, I'll check it out on the on post-production. Yeah, yeah. Um, any of those ones that are, are looking at ways to uh, give you strategies for teaching anything. Um, mm. These are all teachers who recognize that a strategy can be applied across all kinds of platforms or subject areas. Uh, those mm-hmm. are some of the people that I, I would say are the ones to sort of to, to look for. Uh, um, Koros, um, George, George, thank you. Or Alec. Uh, yeah, the innovator's yep. mindset um, is another one. So. Um, and uh, who else? Oh, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> but again, it's no. You know what? I think it's yeah. It's those good. ones no, that, no, that are it, like said, outside the box, or that are looking at things that can be applied in any any circumstance. That's awesome. And is it is it safe to say that the five year ago version of you might look at that list and say? Absolutely. I would never have known any of these names if it wasn't for for my Twitter world. And most of them live in parts of the country I may never visit. Uh, parts of the the, the continent <laughs> that I will never visit necessarily, um, but they are people that I have it's, good connections with and can lean on for support. It's it's mind blowing because I think of the people. I think of how how different my learning my digital learning has become even in the last year and there's individuals that not only have i made digital connections with but i've got to meet in real time that i've told them quite directly i love and you are one of these people as well i love that you feel you that i meet now in real time Mm -hmm. absolutely mirror your digital presence and i think there's some incredible incredible um sharing to be done there because I think that that's a real fear for some people as Mm -hmm. far as engaging with digital learning that how can that be authentic like I don't even know this Mm -hmm. person I've had that moment that little fanboy moment I'm like oh my god I've been talking to you for like three or four conversations on Twitter and absolutely right and it's like absolutely and it's it is quite thrilling and we're talking about education here like you get it's like you get to meet you too (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you get that kind of jazz. Yeah, up. absolutely. So. And I've, you know, as as a music person, I've connected with, uh, yeah, with podcast leaders, uh, with a, a producer in LA who um, who actually donated a drum set 
to my program. That's awesome. Uh, he's Katie he's so Perry's awesome. producer. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. like he's 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 recording right now with Kim, with with By Kim Mitchell, um, and this That's is cool. someone that I have not only talked with on Twitter but have met now in person because of that digital connection to start with, um, and it's I exciting it. and it's it's phenomenal and yes, it's very fangirl ish um, when you do get to meet these these people and these educators and and you go to these conferences and summits and so on and and you see it in action and it's inspiring and exciting. And we can't no. go back. No, there we? is no going back. There's only going forward. We can't go back. <laughs> all right, like uh, Miss Jocelyn, uh, do, do us all a favor and tell us where you can be found so people can have other really cool conversations Absolutely. with you. Uh, I am on Twitter. Uh, my handle on Twitter is at jcurves, so J-K-E-R-V-S. Um, I am mm. there and uh, chatting on Wednesdays a lot of time on the XP Lab Twitter chat. Uh, looking to jump in on the Wire DSB talk, um, sorts of things, and uh, and looking at uh, following along on the world of Hyperdocs as well. That's my new my new learning mm. uh, course right now, and, and I'm going to look into that sort of thing. So that's where I live. They are cool. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I can't be, I can't be, have any more gratitude. I'm so happy that you uh, agreed to come on. This was fun. And uh, it was, it was fantastic. Fantastic. And I guess uh, we can do the virtual handshake or the high five. If we had the video up, we could sort of piss bump into our screen or something. We'll do it live on uh, on Friday when you stop by uh, my work. Yeah, I will. I will. Very good. I will. I will drop drop by and I'll drop in in you. Okay. Okay, Fantastic. Jocelyn, have a a great evening. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Take care.